Well, I want you to take your Bibles tonight, if you will, please, and turn to uh, the book of 2 Timothy again. And uh, we're uh, sort of anchored down in 2 Timothy for just a little bit. But the Lord knows what he's doing. And I want to just give you a thought tonight. Honestly, that's what it is. Just a thought that God gave me in personal Bible study. And so 2 Timothy chapter 2, and when you find your place, if you'll look please with me, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 14. And I want to talk especially tonight to, especially to our younger Christians tonight, all of our young Christians. We're going to speak to everybody, of course, his word never returns void, but I want to talk especially to our younger Christians tonight. Let's all stand when you find your place. If you're able tonight, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 14. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker or a cancer, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Our text is verse 18 tonight. And the Bible says, who concerning the truth, speaking of these two men, Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth, these men, they have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. And that's the little phrase I want to concentrate on for a little bit today. And overthrow the faith of some. It's not a very flashy title, but it's what I want to talk to you about tonight. What it means to overthrow. And so you may be seated tonight and uh, we're going to teach a little bit tonight. So y'all hang in there with us. And I hope that uh, the Lord will use something that we might say tonight that would be a blessing and a help to everyone this evening, but especially to our younger, uh, our younger Christians and all those that are watching by way of live stream. As well. We want to welcome all of our live stream audience in tonight. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to help us tonight. Father, thank you so much for the privilege to be back at Calvary. And Lord, truly, I'm glad that you're all in all. And uh, Lord, you're, you're everything we need. And Lord, we have, we've saw even here in the last little bit that riches is not what we need. And Lord, big houses and cars and fame and prestige is not what we need. Christ is all in all. And we thank you and praise you for that. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would... Uh, Help me as I try to give to your people something that you gave to me in personal Bible study. Lord, I, I mentioned last night in the ministry podcast and then Saturday morning at the 
uh, Lord, at the meeting with all the younger preachers and their wives, Lord, that a call to preach is not necessarily a call to stand behind the pulpit. A call to preach is a call to walk with God. That's what a call to preach is. A call to preach is a call to walk with Christ and to get a word from the Lord and then to give it to God's people. And so, Lord, I think that's what I want to do tonight. Lord, I've tried to walk with you. I believe you've given me a word in personal Bible study. And now, Lord, I want to try to pass that word along to your people. Lord, some of the most wonderful people in the world, by the way. I'm very privileged, very privileged pastor. Lord, that I get to pastor a congregation like this. I mean that. I'm so thankful for our church. I'm so thankful for my people. I say that. I know they're really not mine. They're really yours. And Lord, I'm not the chief shepherd. I'm just the under shepherd. But I'm so thankful that I, at least for a few moments tonight, because you've given me the privilege to do so, I'm privileged to be able to try to pour into their lives. And so, Spirit of God, may I serve as the conduit now. And Holy Spirit, would you just flow through me to your people? And I pray that we'd all go home blessed. Save that one that's nearest hell. Encourage that one that is discouraged. Heal that one that is sick. And Lord, I pray that, you would, you, that you'd knit our hearts together and help us to learn a great truth tonight. We love you. We ask you for your power. And we pray that Christ will receive glory and praise from all that's done. We ask these things in his precious name. And for his sake, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. And so before we get to our text tonight, I want us to notice that there is a very strong challenge in 2 Timothy for the servant of the Lord to study. And some of you noticed it, I'm sure you did before we got to our text tonight. Verse number 15, we notice here that Paul, the older man of God, as he's pouring into this younger preacher in the faith, he says to Timothy in verse number 15, study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so we see a, a, a strong challenge for the servant of the Lord to study. We'll not go to all the places tonight. You don't, in fact, you don't even have to turn there. You're going to stay right there in 2 Timothy chapter 2. But I'm mindful of what the psalmist said in Psalm 119 and verse number 11, where he said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Again, the idea being this, that we ought to learn this book. We ought to know the word of God. I thought about what the prophet Hosea said in Hosea chapter four and verse number six, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I also will reject thee. Why are we in such dire straits in America? Well, partly because of a lack of knowledge. Why are we in such a mess in our churches today? Because of a lack of knowledge. We're not studying the Word of God like we need to study the Word of God. Again, there's that appeal that, that we ought to be in God's Word. and We ought to be devouring the Word of God and, and studying the Word of God. And with that, with that thought, that takes us right to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that ye may grow thereby. In other words, if you're not in this book, you're not going to grow like you need to be growing. Again, there's that appeal. There's that admonition that you and I are to study 
as the children of God. Matthew chapter 22, verses 29, right out of the words of our very Lord, Jesus said, ye do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. Somebody says, Pastor, I've got a, I, I, I've got a, a pretty major problem going on right now. <clears throat> do you have any advice? I do. Study the word of God. You say, preacher, I've got a problem in my marriage. Any advice? I do. Study the word of God. Preacher, we, we've got some issues in our home. Any advice? I do. Study the word of God. You do err not knowing the scriptures. I thought about what Paul said to the church of Colossae in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 where he said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, why do we receive that strong admonition to study? Well, number one, it's important that we know the word of God. Now, this goes right back to Sunday night. This is tied into to Sunday night. Are you listening? It's important that we know the word of God. Why? Because he will not deny himself. Now, that's Sunday night's message. I'm not gonna re-preach that message tonight. But don't forget what we talked about Sunday night, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. God said, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. It's important that the Calvary Baptist Church know the heart of God when it comes to morality. It's important that we know the heart of God when it comes to marriage. Marriage is not between a man and a man. And marriage is not between a woman and a woman. You say, Pastor, you need to get with the times. I don't intend to get with the times. I intend to stay with the Bible. And people say, well, we're confused. We're not confused. We know exactly where we are. We know exactly which direction to head. We know exactly what is right. We know exactly what is wrong. You say, well, how can you be so proud? No, the pride has nothing to do with it. We know what the Bible says about morality. We know what the Bible says about marriage because we have the word of God on it. Somebody says, well, I don't believe that. doesn't matter because God said, I will not deny myself. Right. What I've said in the word of God, I mean in the word of God. And so it's important that we, that we know God's heart on homosexuality. Amen. By the way, not our heart, his heart. It's important that we have the heart of God on abortion and adultery and incest. Now, again, I'm going to get off this because I'm really not even preaching on this tonight, but maybe God wanted me to say this for, for someone's sake here tonight. And so the modern day thought is, is that nobody can really know what is right and nobody can know what's genuine. And we're living in a nation now that has reached the pinnacle of denial. No one's willing to admit when they do wrong. <laughs> no one's willing to admit that they're sinning against God. No one is. We're in that, we, we, we live in that age of, of uh, you know, that, uh, that we're, a, we're a victim. You know, we're a victim of circumstance. And, and uh, you know, I, I thought about years ago when Zach was a teenager and he was driving back and forth. They were going to Trinity Baptist Academy at the time down in Moxville and and he was driving back and forth. And he was coming through Rowan County one day in his truck and he was going, he was driving too fast and he got a speeding ticket. 
He came home. He dreaded having to tell his dad. And, and, uh, but anyway, he got a speeding ticket. So we had to go down to the Rowan uh, court, courthouse, and, and he had to appear you know, before the magistrate. And, and, and so I went down there with him. And, and I'll never forget, we got there that day, and as we'd never been there before. We didn't know where to go. And as we drove by the entrance where you're supposed to be, the line was like a snake. I mean, it was going out. I thought, oh, my word, this is, this is horrible. So we, we found a parking place. We got up in the line. We waited a little while. Then when we got up, almost getting ready to go into the courthouse, there was a big sign that said, no cell phones allowed. So we had to get out of the line, go put our cell phones back in the truck, get back in line again. I'll never forget, though. I'll never forget. We were standing in the line. I'm sure God had this all all planned out. We were standing in line. I'll never forget. We were behind a family, and I didn't really mean to uh, to eavesdrop, but they were really talking loud, so it wasn't like I was eavesdropping. And, uh, And this family was in line, and the problem was is their son had been arrested for shoplifting. Everybody listening? All the kids listening. So here's this young man's been arrested for shoplifting and the family was in line with their son and they were, they were agitated, to say the least, that they had to be waiting in this long line to go before the court. And then the mom said, and I'll never forget this, the mom said, this is absolutely ridiculous. And then she said this, all he took was a chocolate milk. Everybody listening to me? All the kids listening to me? Let me tell you what you are. If you take $20,000 that is not yours, you know what you are? You're a thief. But if you take a chocolate milk out of a 7-Eleven, let me tell you what you are. You're a thief. That's true, by the way. We need to get back to that kind of mentality again. But that's where we are. We're just, you know, we, we deny everything. Well, you know, it really, it's really not that bad. And, and uh, they probably didn't mean anything by it. And, and we're in, that, we're in that, that era of, of denial. In fact, we have gotten so bad that we're way past chocolate milk now. And now we're, we're actually denying what we are as a human being where we, we don't even want to recognize our gender. And, you know, God has made it very, very plain. He's made it very plain what you are and what I am. And uh, he's, he's made it very plain uh, to know what, what you are, whether you're a man or a woman. And yet we have people that are saying, well, uh, you know, I was born a man, but I'm really a woman. If you were born a man, you're a man. And if you're born a woman, you're a woman. Now, uh, now again, I'm just saying this. And it's, it, it's important that we study the word of God. Why? So we can know, so we can know the word of God. But there's another reason. Not only so we can know the Word of God, but number two, it's important that we stow the Word of God. Now hang with me, church, tonight. We are to not only know it, but we're to stow it. Thy words have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. We're, We're to stow the Word of God, and we're to be mindful that occasionally there are those within Christian circles who have erred. That's what our Scripture said. There are those that sometimes make their way into the church that have erred, missing the mark, deviating from the truth, which is what that scripture means that we just read a moment ago, who try to overthrow the faith of the saved. Now look back at it with me, if you would. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 16. 
The Bible says, but, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Verse 17, and their word will eat as doth the canker of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. Now look at verse 18. Who concerning the truth have what? They have, they've erred. The word erred there means this. It's the idea of swerving, swerving. Uh, and, and, and some would say, no big deal. But actually swerving can be quite disastrous. If someone swerves over the middle, uh, the, the, the yellow lane, uh, the middle lane, and hits a family coming on, uh, it can be really, really disastrous. And the Bible is saying this, that there are people occasionally that have swerved and they, they have erred, they have deviated from the truth, and the enemy uses these people to try to overthrow the faith of Christians within the church. And so because of that, it's very important that you and I know the Word of God, and it's very important that we stow the Word of God. And that way, when false teachers come in and false prophets come in, and, and uh, false teachers at work and false teachers at school and they begin to teach you things at school, that, that way you'll know, whoa, 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 wait a minute, that's not right, that's not accurate, uh, that's not true uh, because the Word of God says it's not true. And so it's important that we, that we understand the Word of God and study the Word of God. Now, overthrow. I'm gonna talk to you about that word tonight. Overthrow. What, what exactly does the word overthrow Mean. Look at it again, verse number 18. Who concerning the truth have erred, they've swerved, they've deviated, saying that the resurrection has passed already and overthrow the faith of some. What does the word overthrow mean? Well, number one, it means upturn. It's a Greek word. It's called anatrepo. Compound Greek word. Anna, up, trapo, turn. Up, turn. It means this. It means to direct upward is what it's saying. And I'm gonna know tonight that it's a lot easier to go down than it is to go up. Uh, when my wife and I, we, we try to walk uh, pretty regularly if we can and, and uh, there at our house, we usually, when we leave our driveway, we walk down the road and it's uh, 0.6 miles all the way to the end. And then we, we walk back. When we walk up, uh, when we walk back, it's all uphill. And so going down is not really a problem. But coming back, sometimes you'll find yourself a little bit more winded when you're coming back because it's uphill. Going uphill is tougher than going downhill. Years ago when our kids were younger, we drove up to Linville, uh, Linville Falls. And we had parked up on the mountain. And we were going to hike one of those trails down down to the falls. We, 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 I, let me take that back. We were going to hike. Not necessarily to the falls. We were just going to hike. Well, we got on the trail and you could hear the falls way down at the bottom of the mountain. You could hear the, the falls and the kids said, Dad, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go see them. And I'm like, guys, it, I know it sounds like it's close, but it's really a long ways away. I know, but we got to see it. We got to see it. We got to see it. And I said, all right, we'll, we'll go. But I want you to understand that it's going to be easy going down. And it's going to be harder coming back. It was, in, it was summertime, probably July or August. So it was probably, man, in the 90s that day. And we started hiking down the trail. It was a pretty good trail. And, and we, we would take some stops and take some pictures. And it was great. And uh, by the way, no problem going down. We made it down to the falls after a little while. And it was beautiful. And man, we enjoyed the falls. And we stayed down there for a little bit. And, uh, and then I said, well, guys, it's time to go. 
And then we started making our way back up the mountain. Dad, we got to stop. We got to stop. I mean, man, we were sweating. I mean, we were all sweating. The mosquitoes were flying around. We were swatting mosquitoes. And man, I mean, we were sweating profusely. And, and uh, man, we were winding out of breath. And, and I can remember, man, it was, it was tough. It was tough going up the hill. Now, I said that to say this. And this is what the Word of God is saying. That there are going to be some people in your life from time to time who try to make your Christian life an up he'll struggle. That's what he's saying. There's going to be some folks that from time to time are going to come into your life, your Christian life, that are going to try to make your Christian life and your Christian growth an uphill struggle. Now, you say, Pastor, what, what do you mean? Well, they may do it by bringing up your past. Some folks have a real knack for that. Remember when you used to be a drunk? Remember when you used to hang out at the bar? Remember when, boy, you used to be a, you know, a compromiser and, and sometimes they'll bring up your past. Sometimes they'll criticize your lack of talent. And they'll say, you, you know, you really don't have a whole lot to offer. You can't play an instrument. You can't sing in the choir. You can't carry a note. Uh, sometimes they'll act like you don't have a whole lot to contribute. Now, wait a minute now. Here's what I'm saying. If you're not careful, what will happen is you'll get discouraged. When people speak that kind of negative, uh, negativism into your life, you'll get discouraged if you're not careful and you'll quit on the Lord. But here's the thing. Just because someone says something to you that they shouldn't say does not give you or me an excuse to quit. And that's why it is so important that you study the Word of God. Because when those kind of people come and they begin to try to speak that, uh, that uh, darkness and that, uh, that uh, cr uh, criticism uh, into your life, boy, that's what's so sweet about the Word of God. Someone says, Pastor, but they're right. I don't have a lot of talent. I can't play an instrument. I can't sing a song like other people can. Okay, but here's the great news. Did you know the Bible tells us that God uses the foolish things of the world and the base things of the world and the things that are not mighty to confound the things that are and God says this listen it doesn't matter about your talent it doesn't matter about your ability if you'll just yield yourself to me God said I am well able to do something great with you but that's why it's important for us to study the word of God and so number one the word overthrow means it means to Upturn. Number two, it means to overturn. To overturn. Now look back at verse 18 again. Who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. So it means to upturn, to make it hard for you, to make you go uphill in your Christian life. There are some people like that. But number two, it means to overturn. And you know, Calvary, it's possible to, when I begin to think about that word of overturn, and I begin to study it out and find out all the different meanings. Did you know it's, it's possible to overturn something before it's ready? So if you've, ever, if you've ever cooked breakfast, you crack that egg into the frying pan, you're gonna make you a fried egg. But you're hungry or you're impatient or you're in a hurry. And so before the egg is done, you take the spatula and you slide the spatula under it and you flip it over, but it wasn't ready. You turned it too soon. And because you turned it too soon, it messed up the egg. 
It broke the yolk. You, you wanted a fried egg. Now you've got scrambled eggs. You know, it just, uh, and what, what was the problem? The problem was you turned it too soon. It hadn't cooked enough. It hasn't experienced enough heat. Uh, you ever done this? Have you ever made, a, have you ever made a, a pancake and you tried to turn the pancake too quickly? You should have waited just a little bit longer before you tried to turn it. Did you know the enemy can bring people into your life who will attempt to overturn what younger Christians believe? I'm talking about younger Christians who maybe have just recently gotten saved, recently come to the Lord, uh, and, and, and these doctrines that we preach and these things that we preach are still fresh to them. And, and, and even church, uh, to a certain extent, is sort of awkward to them. They're not used to that. They don't know anything. Uh, now, we want to teach them, but they don't know anything about the King James Bible. They, they, they don't understand when we talk about justification and redemption and we talk about uh, these different doctrines. Uh, you you got to understand that there are people in this congregation, and yes, you may know about that but there are other folks in this church who know nothing about those things and uh, and it tells me this that we as a congregation have to give our younger Christians the opportunity to grow some churches are so legalistic that they fail to give their new Christians time to grow now we have a little grandson he's he's here tonight I guess he's probably in the nursery his name is Moses and Moses is how old Three years old. And he's wide open. Man, he's running here and running there. And he's all over the place. And he's jumping and, and uh, wants to get out here on the playground. And he's just, I mean, he's just all over the place. And sometimes you just have to hold him still. Because he's, he's all over the place. Now, here's the thing. You expect that from Moses. You know why? He's three. Man, he's learned to walk. Learned to, he's learned to, to, to run. He's learned to jump. And so you expect Moses to do that, but you don't expect Haven to do that. I'm talking about Caitlin Drake's little girl. We don't expect her to do that. So I don't understand why Haven's not sliding down the slide yet. Well, I'll tell you why she's not sliding down the slide. She's a newborn. I'll tell you why she's not running around, jumping from the, you know, different places and all these kind of things, because she is a, she's a newborn. You can't expect, you can't expect toddlers or newborns to do what toddlers do. By the way, you can't expect newborns to eat what high schoolers eat. Neither can you expect new Christians to act like mature Christians because they don't. They don't, by the way. And let there be a church somewhere that, and let it be this one that's willing to welcome new Christians in and, 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 and says, you know what, we understand that you're brand new in the faith and you've not had a lot of time to grow and we just want you to know that we love you like you are, we love you where you are and we're gonna give you time to grow, we're gonna give you time to get plugged in to the things of the Lord. Listen, how many know this? How many know this? That babies do what babies do. You know why babies cry? Because they're a baby. You know why babies mess up their diaper? Because they're a baby. You know why young Christians act the way they do? Because they're a baby. And so one of my, one of my preacher friends, church, excited man, folks getting saved, it's wonderful. He had a man that had been coming, some came on a motorcycle. And he had been coming, and anyway, he came 
One Sunday, and the preacher preached, and boy, he's a dynamic preacher, and God's, you know, God was blessing, and he preached. Well, this man that rode this motorcycle to church, he walked out, and he got saved, and he got saved. I mean, the man really got saved. And after the service, uh, when they were leaving, and he was so excited. I mean, he really was, genuinely. He was excited. He had never heard preaching like that. He had never heard singing like that. He had never been a part of a church service like that. And so that afternoon, as they were all going out, he caught the preacher on the parking lot. He said, preacher, he said, preacher. He said, I just want to tell you. He said, that's the best blankety-blank sermon I've ever heard in my life. Now you say, Pastor, that's terrible. And, and okay, it is. But you've got to understand something. You've got to give people time to grow. We're reaching, we're, reaching a, we're reaching a generation now that's never been in church. You see, I grew up, I had, I had a, when I, my wife and I can both testify to this, we had a drug problem growing up. We were drugged to church. Every service, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, revival. You say, uh, Pastor, what's your testimony? Well, I lived a wicked, wicked life in the nursery. I mean, I, you know, that's where I started in the nursery of an independent fundamental Baptist church. It was really a Southern Baptist church. And then about five years later, we went over to independent fundamental Baptist church. And, and for the rest of our life, pretty much, we were there. We were there on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, revival. Uh, we, we, this is all we've ever known all of our life. But we are reaching a generation of people that that's not the case. They've never been to church. They've never, never been to youth meetings. They've never been to revival. They don't even know what revival is. And I'm just saying this, that we've got to give people some time to grow in the things of the Lord. We had a lady one time and told my wife and I, and she said it so humbly. She didn't say it arrogantly at all. She said, and she, she knew I was a pastor. And she said, she said, preacher Steve, she said, can I give you some advice? And she, she meant it genuinely. It's from her heart. She said, preacher Steve, she said, would you just remember this? She said, don't expect people to understand all the words that you use when you're preaching. She said, when I first, she said, when we first came to church, she said, I didn't have a clue. I was so lost. She said, I didn't know, I didn't know anything. She was going to a church called Calvary Baptist Church. That's where she started just visiting there. And one day the preacher got up and he said, uh, and he was preaching, and he said, Jesus went to Calvary. And she thought, that is the neatest thing, that Jesus went to a church the same name as I'm going to. Now, that's what she thought. She didn't know what Calvary was. She didn't know that it was that, that place called Golgotha. She had, never, she had never heard that. And she said, preacher, she said, just don't, don't take for granted that people know what you're always talking about. Give people time to grow concerning their dress and their appearance. Now, you know what? And we had this meeting and this discussion the other night that from here back, leadership. Leadership has to set a higher standard. But you understand that we got, we got new people coming in all the time. They've never heard what you've heard. And so if you see somebody walk in and they don't look like you, don't walk over to them like, mm -hmm, yeah. Man, we got, you got to give people some time to grow. You've got to give people time, some time to grow concerning their language. I may not agree with this fellow and everything that he says, but listen to what Chuck Swindoll said. He said, there is no such instant maturity available on this earth 
God does not offer a formula that, that, that produces fully mature Christians overnight. Christian growth comes through hardcore, gutsy perseverance of applying what you hear and obeying it and thereby learning how to handle those inevitable problems. And boy, how true that is. And there needs to be a church somewhere that just, you know what, you know what we need to do? These new Christians that are coming, we just need to gently nudge them toward the Lord. And just remind them, he's the greatest friend you'll ever have. This is the greatest life you'll ever live. You say, preacher, I don't think they see it yet. You're probably right. They probably don't. And by the way, some of them probably need to be saved. Some of them aren't even saved yet. And so we need to love them where they are and just, just gently nudge them to the Lord. And I thought about Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 11 where the Bible says, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. How many know you can't drive, drive, drive? Sometimes you just gotta lead them gently. And so the word overthrow means to upturn. It means to overturn. We're done tonight. Number three, it means exactly what it says. It means to overthrow. Verse 18 again, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Overthrow, overthrow. I was thinking about that word, overthrow. Have you, ever, have you ever done this? Have you ever watched a pitcher overthrow a ball? Only to have somebody swing at it, and the truth of the matter is they never could have hit it. It was way too high or way too low, and there was not even a chance. But they swung at it. And when they, after they swung at it, they thought, man, what an idiot I was. Why did I swing at that? You know what happened? He overthrew the ball. Did you know an experienced pitcher does this on purpose? He overthrows the ball. We call it a curveball or a slider or a fastball or a changeup. But he throws that, he overthrows the ball with the hope that the batter will swing at it, but strike out. Now we're done. This is why I said, oh, let's say this. Please understand something. From time to time, the enemy will try to insert people into your life that will try to overthrow you. They'll try to throw you something to have you swing at it so they, can try to, so they can try to bring you down. You say, Pastor, someone did that and because of that I'm quitting. doesn't give you an excuse to quit. That's why the Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God. But you say, Pastor, someone upturned my direction. Okay, study. Preacher, uh, someone overturned, uh, you know, me before it was time. Okay, that's why it's important that you study the Word of God. So when these people come into your life, you can stay steady and you can stay stable. Think of the Scriptures like this. Think of the Scriptures as a map, as a map. Last night, my wife and I, we drove to Burnsville. We've been there a few times, but not a place we hang out a whole lot. And way up the mountain, y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, you know. And and uh, anyway, so before we when we got up the interstate a little bit, we just typed in the address and the GPS, and the and the GPS told us exactly where to go. That's what the Word of God does. As you read the Word of God, this is God's global uh, 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 positioning system. This is God's map. And by the way, it's a very accurate map. 
Sometimes these GPSs that we have will let you down. This one never will. And so it's important that you read this map, study this map, and I promise you that it will give you the right destination every time. But here's the thing, though. Just because we typed the address into the GPS did not immediately put us at the destination. You know what we had to do? We had to get in the truck and we had to put forth some effort and burn some gas and some time. And we had to, uh, and, and we had to drive a ways before we got there. And so this is what I'm saying. You've got to get in this book and you've got to read and study and devour and eat it and drink it and breathe it. And uh, now, does that mean you're going to automatically meet your destination? No, that's not what it means. But it does mean this, that you keep studying it and keep reading it, keep reading it, keep devouring it, uh, keep, keep looking at it, keep studying it, keep studying it, keep studying it. And when these people come into your life and they try to overthrow your faith thank God because of God's word you can be stable in your faith amen let's bow our heads tonight father thank you for this time we've had together tonight Lord I, I pray that you'll help us to be so careful Lord from time to time the enemy will try to introduce people into our life into our job setting, sometimes into our church, sometimes into our family. And Lord, as sad as it is, they are people who their goal is to overthrow what we believe, to upturn, to make it harder for us to grow, to overturn those new Christians before it's time and to overthrow the faith of some that believe. Lord, I think the overall message tonight is this. Help us to study. Lord, help us to be students of the Word of God. And it seems like that's been a, uh, it seems like that's sort of been a theme here lately. And Lord, I can't help but believe, and I know you're speaking to my heart. And I just feel like, Lord, you're preparing this church Lord, I believe that you're speaking to some folks and you're giving them an appeal. Get in my book. Get in my book. There could be something coming down the road where you're going to need to be stable, steady, unmoved, unchanged, and never undone. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed tonight. I wonder real quickly tonight, how many here would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am saved. I've been born again. I know that I'm saved. And if you can honestly say that, would you just slip your hand up quickly and you can take it right back down? Thank you so much. I know this is Wednesday night, but Wednesday night's a great night to get saved. And I wonder if there may be one here tonight would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. I'm not sure that Christ is my Savior. I want you to pray for me. You'd slip your hand up and let me pray for you tonight. Is anyone like that? You'd be honest. I'm not going to come back and try to drag you down the aisle. I just want to pray for you. And right now you'd say, Pastor, remember me. I'm, I, I want to go, but I'm just not sure. I'm not sure about heaven. If I died tonight, I'm not sure that I would be there. I want you to pray for me. Right now, you'd slip your hand up. Is there one anywhere, anywhere at all, you'd let me pray for you tonight? Can I ask you this? 
Are you a student of God's Word? Are you reading it? Devouring it? Is it a part of your daily diet? Every single day, day in and day out, are you a student of the Word of God? If not, why not do this tonight? Why not slip down to this altar and say, Lord, would you please teach me your Word? God, would you help me to be faithful to the Bible? Jesus, would you teach me your Word tonight? Let's all stand around the house. Father, have your way in the invitation. Lord, help us to study. Lord, truth, truth be known, there are going to be people from time to time that are going to come into our life and their motives are not going to be great. They're going to try to pull us away. They're going to try to bring distraction and destruction. Lord, I'm the kind of person I like to think that every single person's good, but according to your word, there's going to be some people that are going to try to overthrow our faith. Help us to be steady and stable in your precious book. Have your way in this invitation. Lord, speak to hearts, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Listen, if you need to come, I'm going to, here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make my way to the main floor, and it could be there's just somebody here tonight that's struggling with a burden, and you just need someone to pray with you tonight, and we would love to pray with you. Right